Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host. Our scripture reading today is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, which say, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The whole point of the Christian life is to be connected with Christ. And we do that by confessing our sins, by allowing Him to be the Lord of our lives, and be submissive to His will. And as we do these things, we not only walk in the Spirit, and the Spirit is energizing us to give us thoughts about Christ, and also give us wisdom and guidance and direction. And as we walk in them, we make a tremendous impact and influence on those around about us, and we do the will of God. What a great privilege it is to serve a risen Savior who empowers us to do His work and to do His will. These discussions were held between Dr. Craig Hartman, Director of Shalom Ministries and author of Through Jewish Eyes, and Dennis Campbell, the President of Mission Go Ministries. The Christmas season. Think about it for a minute. Think about it. A Jewish boy was born under circumstances where it was considered an illegitimate birth. 
He was born under those circumstances to a family of no notoriety or reputation. He, it, was, it was so shocking to the family that the, the so-called father of the boy tried to put the mother away privately, as the scriptures tell us, and I can tell you, the reason for that is because of what would have happened in those days if you got put away. That was that was bad. And if you got put away because you were carrying a baby that wasn't the baby of your intended husband, that was really bad. I mean, there was shame and other repercussions that would come of that. It was there was penalties to be paid. It shows you, by the way, it has nothing to do with today's discussion, but it shows you just a little anecdote here of the compassion of Joseph. The Bible wouldn't have been changed one bit if the word privily had been left out, but it's in there. So he didn't just try to put her away. He tried to put her away privately. Very hard to do in those days. Small towns, small communities, everybody knows each other. Very, very hard to do. So he anguished. I can tell you from that one word, Joseph anguished over what to do. But here's this little Jewish boy born under these circumstances. The only witnesses are his parents and a bunch of animals. Okay. Um, some of them wondering, what's that moving thing doing in the place I usually get my food? I mean, it's just bizarre, right? Now, let's fast forward 2,000 years. The whole world shuts down on his birthday. Setting aside whether December 25th was his birthday. The whole world shuts down. Billions of Gentiles. <laughs> billions of Gentiles. I don't even know how many Gentiles there are in the world. But it's got to be billions, right? There's three point whatever billion, six, six billion people on the planet. So there's got to be lots and lots of zeros in that number of Gentiles. They celebrate the birthday of this Jewish boy who was born out of wedlock, quote unquote, and who ultimately had to be put to death because he grew up to claim he was the Messiah. And, uh, and, and look what happened. Well, <laughs> as crazy as that plan sounds, it's the perfect plan of humankind because it worked. So God set apart this nation. He chose them because he chose them. Why? Because. Why? Because. I want to know why. I just told you. Because. Okay? Because he did so. And he set this people apart to be the vehicle through which Messiah would come. And he made them weird. And he made them different. So that the world would recognize them. Because when he came, the world would then recognize him. And he plopped them down right at the center of the world at that time. And it worked. So, so God, this is God's plan. And, and you know, we, the, the Romans chapter 1 tells us that, the, that um, the gospel is to the Jew first. Well, guess what? Romans chapter 2 tells us judgment is to the Jew first as well. So the, Jew, the Jewish people are at the center of God's plan of redemption, on the, at, at the center of God's plan of creation, redemption, um, at, the, at, at the center of his plan in, in, in eschatology and what's coming in the future, and in the kingdom, as Zechariah 14 tells us, all the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem to worship him, Jesus, the Messiah, there, and those who don't come will have no reign. And, and by the way, for those that don't know, when, when the Bible speaks of rain being withheld, that means no food, because that's how you had food in those days. You had to have rain. So there's uh, everything about the plan of God has Israel right dead in the center, even though they have rebel been rebellious against God, even though they were not greater, they were not bigger, they're not more special. And I'm saying that as a Jewish man, but they are at the center of it all. And that's the way God planned it. I wouldn't have done it that way. 
Believe me, even as a Jewish guy, I would have not done it that way. But he did. We accept it. And, and by the way, people don't even realize it, but the Jewish people celebrate the kingdom when they celebrate Hanukkah. So that would be my 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 passionate answer for what well, for, for, for well, Israel's role in the plan of God. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, thank you very much and for this blessing. If you would like more information about Dr. Craig Hartman Ministries or how Mission Go is active in sharing Christ with Jewish people and how you can connect, email us at media at missiongo.org or just write to Canada National Bible Hour. There are many causes of hopelessness, the most common is placing our confidence in things that can fail. Money, health, beauty, and status. Painful circumstances can cause us to lose hope in other people or circumstances. God wants to work out His purposes for you and ultimately give you peace that passes all understanding. In the booklet Hope Your Soul you'll learn what all of the unreliable anchors are, and how to place your hope in on the anchor that will never fail. To order your copy, of the booklet Hope, the Anchor of Your Soul, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2 or 7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners.
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and is entitled Revival, Something We All Need. Printed copies are available upon request. A man was watching a stranger with his very beautiful dog. He walked up to him and said, I bet your dog is a pointer or a setter. Wrong, the man replied. He's a disappointer and an upsetter. Unfortunately, there are lots of people like that. You probably know some. I do. And they're all over the place. But also, unfortunately, there are some church members professing Christians who are disappointers and upsetters. They're complainers, not commenders. They're gossipers, not gospelers. They're gripers, not givers. They're loafers, not laborers. They're pouters, not prayers. And if you're going to be a Christian, you must give yourself completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, every part of you, with no strings attached, to be used for his glory and for the good of others. We need revival to create that kind of a dedication and spirit within the professing church today. And I continue today the subject of revival with Charles Finney, the great revivalist, who said revival is a return to the first love by Christians, resulting in the conviction and conversion of sinners to God. Revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. It's a special season of heart-searching when many believers simultaneously experience a deep Holy Spirit conviction of sin. Revival is when God draws near and manifests His holy presence. We've been urging everyone to pray three prayers for revival. Habakkuk 3.2 O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Psalm 85 verse 6 Wilt thou not revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. And then Psalm 143, verse 11, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. And we began to look at questions Jesus asked, since revival is distinctly centered in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since revival is really a Christ awakening within the hearts of his people, and then a spiritual awakening that results throughout the land. And so we looked at the questions Jesus asked, and the first one we saw was in Matthew 16, verse 15, a question concerning our confession. Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And we saw that Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father has revealed it to you from heaven. The implication of this confession is that when man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart, Jesus saw in Peter a genuine confession of faith in Jesus Christ, not repeating something that flesh and blood or someone else taught him to say. I trust today you have had a personal experience with him and know him without a shadow of a doubt as your personal Savior and Lord, and that your confession is clear, having believed in your heart and trusted him personally as your Savior. If not, do that today. That determines whether you go to heaven or to hell when you die. The second question we considered was Matthew 26:40, In the great crisis hour when Jesus, facing the cross, took the disciples and then Peter, James, and John a little further and told them to watch with him. He went and prayed in such agony that blood fell from his body, dripping like sweat from his body. 
And he prayed, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. And when he came back, they were asleep, and he asked them this question, What, could you not watch with me, with me one hour? We saw that prayer is the key to revival. It's the key to everything. And that if you have a great church, it's because you have a praying church. If you are an effective Christian, it's because you are a praying Christian. And that we must call upon the Lord who invites us to call upon him and that he will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we know not. That if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from any wicked ways in our life, that he will hear from heaven, he will forgive our sin, and then, only then will he heal the land. And so we're thinking of revival today. And now we look at another question Jesus asked, and this causes us to search our hearts. Do I need revival? Well, listen to the question that Jesus asks in John 14, beginning at verse 1. This is part of the interrupted sermon of Jesus. It was Simon Peter who had interrupted him at the end of chapter 13, and now in chapter 14. And Jesus, by the way, did not mind this. He wanted to make sure the disciples understood what he was saying. And the Lord does not mind at all when you ask him and ask him about things that you do not understand and search the scriptures daily to see if they're still and study the, 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 the truth of God's word to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus said in John 14, familiar words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now notice as I read on verses 7 through 9, John 14. If you had known me, Jesus said, you should have known my Father also. But from henceforth, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, here's the question for today. Have I not been with you such a long time, and you still do not know me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? This question, along with the question about our confession and our communion, has to do with our comprehension of who Jesus really is. Not only do you know him, but do you know him more intimately now than you knew him a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago? Do you know him better now than you knew him when you first came to know him? Do you have the longing that the Apostle Paul had Oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. In other words, have you comprehended who Jesus really is? That the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New. And that, as he said, 
If you had known me, you should have known my father also. But from now on you know him, you have seen him. And when Philip said, we don't understand, how, how can we see the father? Show, he, show the father to us and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said, have I been such a long time with you and you still don't know me? Philip, he that has seen me hath seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the father? Here is Philip, one of the disciples who had, who had uh, eaten and walked with Jesus and seen the miracles and heard his wonderful messages and saw his spotless, sinless, perfect life and heard him pray and watched him with compassion meet the need of others and listened to his teaching about the Father and did not realize that Jesus was, as the Scripture says, Emmanuel, God with us that Jesus was God manifested in human flesh, and that as he listened to him and walked with him and met with him and prayed with him and learned from him, that he would become more and more like Jesus. That's God's whole purpose. A Christian is someone who has the life of God in him, in whom Christ lives, and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell and makes Jesus real in him and through him. But so many people profess to know Christ, but never, never read their Bibles much, never spend much time in prayer, and certainly never grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. As Peter later said in one of his letters, 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, laying aside all the ugly things of sin in our life, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Grow in what way? Grow to know him better. Grow to be more like him. Grow to be more mature in all our decisions, in all our words and actions. Grow to be more and more usable and effective for him, that you may grow thereby. If so be, he says, that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious if you truly have tasted and seen the Lord is good and gracious, you've been born again as a newborn babe, just as a physical babe desires milk, you will desire the milk of the word of God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how we grow. In fact, in Second Peter or Second Corinthians, rather, chapter three, it says, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. It was Martin, or Warren Wiersbe rather, who said this, when the child of God looks into the word of God and sees the son of God, he or she is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. May I repeat that so you can think about it today? When the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, he or she is changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Jesus is saying, have I been with you such a long time and you still don't know me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How long have you been saved? And how well and how deeply do you know him? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Is that true of your life? It was J. Sidlow Baxter who wrote, Oh, that I may know him. Ah, I long to know not just a Christ of far gone years ago. 
nor even reigning on a heavenly throne too high and distant to be really known. I long to know him closely. This is how, alive and in the ever-pressing now, communicating his all-conquering power, this living Christ within my heart this hour, who now no longer lives from me apart, but shares his resurrection in my heart. If we're going to see revival today, and it is often called re-Bible. We must get into the Word of God and on our face before God in prayer and let God search out our hearts until we come to know Him more intimately, until we're really growing in grace. So many of us have bitter spirits. There's very little grace in our life. You may be doctrinally correct, and that's very essential, but if you don't have grace as well as truth in your life, and Jesus was full of grace and truth, then you are missing the whole picture of what a Christian is to be. Balance is the important thing, full of grace and truth. When the great missionary Adoniram Judson was home on furlough, he passed through the city of Stonington, Connecticut. Connecticut. A young boy playing about the wharfs at the time of Judson's arrival was struck by the man's appearance. Never before had he seen such a light on any human face. He ran up the street to a minister to ask if he knew who the stranger was. The minister hurried back with him, but became so absorbed in conversation with Adnaram Judson, the missionary, that he forgot all about the impatient youngster standing near. Many years afterward, that boy, who could never get away from the influence of that wonderful face, became the famous preacher Henry Clay Trumbull. In a book of memoirs, he penned a chapter entitled, What a Boy Saw in the Face of Adoniram Judson. That lighted countenance had changed his life. Even as flowers thrive when they bend to the light, so shining, radiant faces come to those who constantly turn toward Christ. A true believer in Christ should radiate the joy of Christ. It is easy to tell a Christian who's walking close to the Lord and growing in grace and knowledge of Him. There's joy on their face that can't be explained in any other way. And folks that see Christians coming out of churches today will either see the joy of Christ or the misery of self-centered living. May God bring revival to the church, re-Bible to the church, Christ awakening to the church, and the joy of the Lord to be our strength so that we will not be rebuked when Jesus says, have I been so long with you and you still don't know me? But we will know him in an intimate and deeper way every day as we feed on his word, as we fall on our face before him, and as we pray, Lord, revive thy work. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive me, so that your joy will be my strength. If you lead people to heaven, then wear heaven on your face. I trust that the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you throughout this next week as you contemplate some of the truths that have been presented to you. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're concerned about people growing in their faith and being discipled through the messages and uh, the programs that we present, but also we're concerned about those who may be listening to our broadcast who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And of course, this is a new year and it'd be a new start if you would ask Jesus to come into your heart if you don't already have that relationship with him. And the scriptures are very clear about what needs to happen. First of all, God says that he, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is eternal life, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Lord Jesus is the one that did the work on the cross. He's a Savior. He paid your penalty for your sins. 
and he rose on the third day, and your sins can be forgiven if you ask him to come into your life. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. And as you grow closer to God, God uses you to bigger and greater extent. That's what the scripture promises. Remember to order your copy of the booklet Hope, the anchor of your soul. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2 or 7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongood.org. So we can share more information.